When we're speaking to our, our teachers who are predominantly white, you know, they're is a certain amount of stimulus and information that they've absorbed um, through media and through culture that might have stuck with them and may have uh, created um, gaps to their understanding of how it is they can relate to their young black boys, right? And so I feel like you know when there's um, these initial feelings of whether it's whether it's um, fear or whether it's um, you know whether it's there's something that's going on within the classroom behaviorally and maybe there's a little bit of anger or maybe there's you know the feeling the need to um, have a a you know a harsher response. I think that what we're really positing within a lot of our work is you know pause and interrogate. According to the Brookings Institute. Black boys in American K-12 schools are more likely than their white peers to be suspended from school or interact with the criminal justice system. Additionally, they are less likely to be enrolled in gifted and talented programs or have teachers who set for them high expectations. How can we empower Black boys to embrace a narrative that is true to who they are and what they can accomplish? How can schools create an equitable environment for black boys to thrive and be kept accountable through the process? And how can professional development help teachers identify and correct blind spots? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by John Thomas Royston to find out. John Thomas Royston is the CEO of Never Whisper Justice, a documentary film company focused on societal issues. After working in business marketing, he transitioned to a career where he could intersect his passion for social justice with his creative talent. As a filmmaker, his company's first documentary, Black Boys, was released in 2020, receiving widespread critical acclaim. He joins us to discuss how Black boys today can create a better narrative for themselves and the role educators can play in that process. John Thomas, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so much I want to unpack. Uh, for those who don't know, you and uh, your collaborators uh, have really uh, dove deeply into the documentary film world where you merge sort of societal issues with creativity. Uh, there's a splash of education and it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, your documentary black boys receive widespread acclaim. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and then your new documentary black girls. But as you know, I want to focus on some of the things that you discovered when you were doing Black Boys, particularly as it relates to the education system. But before we get into that, uh, I want to unpack your childhood, because oftentimes, you know, one's ultimate career path is is often dictated by their childhood and those experiences. So talk a little bit about what led you to this point where you are really digging deep on some of these societal issues. And you actually started out in business marketing, but there's a whole package associated with your development that I just would like you to talk about. Yeah, of course. Um, as far as a little bit about me, I grew up as a military brat. Um, I was born in uh, Texas. I moved to Germany, Hawaii, and um, grew up mostly in the California um, area. Uh, and as you mentioned, I, you know, I really thought that I wanted to pursue a degree or pursue a career rather in, in marketing, I wanted to do almost the Mad Men of the West coast type of thing, so to speak. 
And there was a lot of amazing work that we were doing. I was on specifically with a, a boutique uh, data center marketing agency. Um, but I was also kind of feeling this craving for more service oriented work. And then also, um, also more craving for just being on the, on the creative side. Um, I was more on the accounts and data side. And so just really wanted to invest more in those passions. And so that ultimately led me to one, um, investing more time in my community, beginning with this organization called Peace for Kids. They, they specialize in providing uh, resources for um, foster youth, uh, with, with specifically within the Compton area. Um, with that being said, my, my firm at the time uh, sent me to was Albuquerque, New Mexico, of all places, where I was sent to give an intimate speaking engagement. I believe it was on email marketing and online advertising, just pretty, pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. Um, but while I was there, there was this woman um, who was speaking about her previous film that she had, she had produced and directed um, that centered um, modern-day school segregation and how it was picked up by Ava DuVernay and syndicated through Netflix and how she was working on a companion piece um, or she was working on her second film that specifically um, really dove into the experiences of young Black men in America at the intersection of sports, mass incarceration, and education. And... I looked at her and I said, wow, you're doing way cooler stuff than I'm doing. We should have a conversation. And um, ultimately, that was a Sonia Lohman, uh, the director of the film that we worked on together, Black Boys. And we were able to put together a team of educators, activists, filmmakers, um, and really were able to create something beautiful from that. And in that regard, when we, we talk about, you know, never whisper justice, uh, how did that idea come to fruition? It was clear you wanted to help play a role with the black boys' development, but, you know, that could have been a one-off. But once you made that decision, it was clear you were really ready to keep it going. Yes, I felt like this experience specifically when it came to having an understanding of my identity was something that I had always craved, even you know, just... Cons just consistently, I when a little bit about me, I I went to a school that was, um, you know, predominantly white in Santa Barbara. Um, you know, we had it was a, a classical Christian education, and uh, we actually had to. It was a private school as well, and we had to, um, we had to create a kind of like a senior thesis project, and ultimately, I wanted mine to be specifically about my my history as a black as a black man. Um, although we didn't have any classes um, for me to be able to experience that, I decided to go to the neighboring public school, Santa Barbara High School. And um, there was this amazing teacher um, who was specifically, you know, had a class specifically on um, African-American studies. And I remember just taking additional time just to sit in that classroom. And I felt like at the at not until very recently did I realize the impact that, um, and Mr. Jackson was his name, that uh, Mr. Jackson had on my life. Um, but I feel like just that, that hunger and that craving is something that kind of planted a seed. I hope you're enjoying this episode of What I Want to Know one of the most downloaded K-12 education podcasts in the country. Make sure you don't miss any of these important topics. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast or social media platform. And leave a rating and review so we can bring you more of the topics you want to hear about. Now back to the conversation. What was revealing to you and you're, and you know, keep in mind, you're working on a project to help reveal information to other people 
but I'm sure while you're in the midst of shaping it with the director and the production team, you must have discovered some things that opened your eyes. A hundred percent. One one concept that we covered in the film Black Boys that I felt was very illuminating for me was the concept of mirrors and windows. Um, specifically, when we think of um, white students, oftentimes they have these these mirrors of their um, successes, uh, or they're seeing their identity predict- depicted, whether it's in the walls, on the walls, or within books, within literature. And um, ultimately, it's being able to give them a positive frame in which to see the trajectory of their lives. Um, whereas, you know, specifically a lot of younger black boys, they see they get these windows into a world or a society they that may or may not affirm their identity positively. I feel like for the majority of black boys, their first introduction to their identity is through the lens of slavery, actually. And so I feel like we have to think through as as teachers, as educators, as filmmakers, as thought leaders, you know, how can we change that? What about this idea of, of things we already know and how it came to life in the film? You know, the way black boys are disproportionately labeled, um, treated differently. Uh, you know, you talked about mirrors and windows, but not not having high expectations placed on them. Uh, what are your responses to things we already know that you showcase and how we could improve on those. When it comes to the ways in which um, people, whether whether people are watching this and they they do identify um, with the black experience, or whether they are looking to become allies, I feel like we all have blind spots. You know, we all have these things that we think that we know, or that we maybe um, we maybe reinforce within our, our ourselves. But but ultimately, I feel like there's always more richness um, for us to delve into, and. I feel like that's also something that happens most times within community, within mm. difficult conversations. And so what I would what I would um, champion is when looking at these experiences, whether it's through through the through a film or through a curriculum or through a book, you know, um, there are there are elements of tension that we really need to lean into. And what sometimes we want to do in life is we want to move away from that tension. I feel like these conversations really move towards that and kind of open it up to know that, OK, there there is more. There are there are, there's more than what I think that I know, and also if I if I do feel like I've covered something sufficiently, what does it mean for me to have a kind of voracious hunger to learn more? Right. Yeah. Let Let me ask you about two things you mentioned. One is I want to dig a little deeper on blind spots, and what are some of the blind spots that that we should be on the lookout for, and 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 how we deal with them. But the other thing you mentioned was allies, and and you you talk about allyship, and I'd like to have you illuminate those two uh those two phrases because i do think that that was one of the big takeaways from the film when you really start to analyze its impact yes um so beginning with beginning with blind spots specifically when we look at the um when we look at the the percentages of teachers specifically within our schools you know we're looking at you know majority white women right over eighty percent, over eighty percent white women. Thank you. Th- I knew you would yeah. have. I knew you would have said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, over eighty percent white women, and so I feel like in- inherently, you know, there is a there is a opportunity for more cultural understanding, right? And and I feel like in order to in order to be able to kind of like bridge that that gap of opportunity, um, there has to be there have to be pathways and conversations that align for that, and so. 
when when we look at the ways in which um, black individuals have been portrayed through media um, for decades on end, it hasn't always been positive. You know, I think that we've had a overindulgence of slave movies. You know, we've had very negative depictions in regards to um, black men being violent. But I think that what we do within the film uh, well is, you know, we really work to have an asset frame in the ways in which we position um, our black boys and men. We open up the film specifically with Greg Scruggs and his son, Coven, um, in bed reading to one another. Yeah. You know, and that's something that shouldn't be radical. But I can't tell you how many times I've seen that in other films, period. You know, and so I think that when it comes to when we're speaking to our our teachers who are predominantly white, you know, there is a certain amount of stimulus and information that they've absorbed um, through media and through culture that might have stuck with them and may have mm -hmm. uh, created um, gaps to their understanding of how it is they can relate to their young black boys, right? I think that what we're really positing within a lot of our work is, you know, pause and interrogate, you know what I mean? Where is this coming from? Because oftentimes, you know, these, these three-year-olds, these four-year-olds, you know, these young black boys who are being um, expelled at, you know, disproportionately high rates, they are, they are innocent, you know? It's, it's usually what's being brought to the classroom, you know, and what's, what's being projected onto them. And we should not, uh, clearly should not be leading away, as we have seen in many places, four- and five-year-old black boys in handcuffs and put them in the back of police cruisers. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and it is clear that, that is a dis another disproportionate reality that we see with the number of black boys. But anyway, you were going to talk about allyship as well. Yes, sir. Um, it's one question that I receive about the film oftentimes is, um, you know, what do I want? What do I want people to get from it? And usually my follow up is really discerning um, who the audience is that I'm speaking to. And so I feel like when it comes to, um, people who are black, um, and when it comes to black boys in particular, we're very much aware of our humanity, you know? And so I feel like what I would love to see um, the response to or what they're getting from it is, these are beautiful depictions of our humanity that need to be championed more, you know what I mean? This is the richness of understanding and love and experience and joy and abundance um, that we should be able to um, feel deserving of every single day and feel like is depicted in a way that doesn't seem novel whenever we see it. Right. So that's what I feel like for, for, for black boys or black identifying individuals. And then when it comes to anyone else who might be in that kind of um, bucket of allyship, I feel like what, what these, what these black boys and men talk about are the ways in which to love them. You know, they're providing the roadmap, they're providing the pathway forward. And so when, when thinking through allyship, Choosing to find love or understanding in the other also increases your capacity for love for yourself. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that is incredibly mutual that doesn't get talked about enough. I think that when we think about commitments to racial equity and we think about, you know, a lot of these commitments that have happened post the murder of George Floyd, oftentimes they're coming from this place of guilt. They're coming from this place of, oh, wow, well, there hasn't been something that's been done in the past. We need to do something now. Feels reactionary. And it also feels like it's coming from a place of philanthropic effort, not mutuality. And I think that when it comes to the concept of racism or bias, it's not just hurting the black community and it's not a black issue. And I feel like that's something that I really want to, I really want to drive forward because I feel like it is also hurting the same people who are perpetuating it on, perpetuating it on a daily basis.
So what about this notion of curriculum and what educators can do? We've worked together on some inclusive curriculum. Talk about the importance of curriculum as it relates to black boys and even to some extent black girls, which is your new project I'll ask you about shortly. But you have settled in on this idea of expanding the conversation that you started with black boys and putting together a curriculum that doesn't dictate how kids are supposed to think but recognizes the, the value of inclusion when you're talking about these academic issues. Yes. You know, once again, I really want to lean into this conversation of mutuality. I feel like the, those who are, those who are interested in book bans or are, you know, uninterested in bringing up concepts like slavery in the classroom, I feel like that's coming from a place of fear in a lot of ways. Um, and I also feel like I do receive the question oftentimes, you know, why black stories? You know, we, we had our first film, Black Boys. We have our upcoming film, Black Girls. And the reason why black stories is because, you know, even when we were considered three-fifths of a person, we still found ways to make ourselves whole. And I feel like if that was able to be done within our community, what can that do for other people by knowing and championing our stories? Mm. And I feel like that is something that, has the ability to resonate widely and it's ultimately going to be resonated well past just the black experience and just the black community. And I think that um, it all starts with our youth. And so when, when we're thinking through the lens of, you know, film and curriculum and, and specifically within the concepts of how it's being distributed, um, we're really wanting to break this kind of silo thought process of, you know, education looks and feels one way. Um, the, the last, the last thing I'll say is, you know, we, over the last three years, we've experienced a lot collectively. You know, we've had a racial reckoning. We lived through a pandemic um, where we lived through the great resignation. And now we're in the place of, you know, uh, mass firings, great consolidation. Right. And I feel like the way in which people are choosing to um, um, consume education and understanding and learning is much different. There is a we have to we have to create something that's really geared towards the modern learner. And I feel like this curriculum does that breaking down the film into um, episodes and modules and wrapping it down in a way in which these, these students or teachers can experience it together. And it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like lecture. You know, it feels like conversation. Yeah. I, I love the expression modern learner. And when you think about teachers and as we said, you know, most of the teachers happen to be white women and, and a lot of them do a really good job trying to expand beyond themselves. But one of the things that helps all teachers, irrespective of race or background, is this idea of professional development. And when you talk about the modern learner and, and how uh, teachers need to adapt, uh, I believe that we need to spend more time and give more attention to the notion of professional development. It can't be the professional development that teachers were accustomed to receiving 10, 15, 20 years ago, and many school districts still employ some of those same professional development approaches. Talk a little bit about professional development as it relates to this inclusion issue and the mutuality associated with that. I love that reference, but uh, in order for schools, I think, to really meet kids where they are, this is another area that needs some improvement. Teachers have a hard job. You know, that's, that's in incredibly um, known and understood, I feel like, widely, um, whether it's from a, a perspective of um, payment or whether it's from a perspective of 
um, accountability, you know, and, and I feel like what, what we wanted to think through in the thought process of how to progress these conversations effectively is, uh, resourcing and support. You know, you can't have, you can't challenge without support. And I feel like what this curriculum does in particular is it provides a pathway to conversations that don't have to be individually championed by the teacher themselves, right? And it also allows for the, t the students to be able to, in a, um, I would say in a conversational manner, be able to uh, interrogate their individual identities and provide that to the teachers, which deepens the relationship and, per and creates a more um, expansive environment for learning. But what I'd like to kind of posit as an alternative is, no, this is this is a, a shared opportunity for us to yeah. lighten the load, you know, and this is something that I feel like is going to be able to also increase the amount of um, sustainability and retention associated to the work, because it's almost like you have a co-teacher in the room as well. You know, it's almost like you have that other level of support where their position, like the positioning of the film is having, you know, this nuanced understanding with um, enriched curriculum that you can then point to versus having to be um, versus having to be the the sole distributor of information. Um, and I think that that's something that really has a, um, a powerful impact as well. Well, and I'm sure it will. So, JT, uh, this is my last question. This is what I really want to know. And it's going to call for a little bit of role playing. Uh, assume I am a superintendent, a white superintendent in a mid-sized school district. And I happened to see black boys and uh, heard about the curriculum, took a look at the curriculum, and you know what? I like it. And I think my, my students in my school district will benefit from it. Arm me with some of the words I should use in addressing my school board as to the utility of the black boys' curriculum and movie. In watching black boys, the reason why I feel like there's an interest in bringing the curriculum or the film to your school district is because something spoke to you. Whether it was an individual scene, whether it was an individual voice, and the thing is, it wasn't just that individual voice. It was something that was specific to your individual and personal narrative. And what is going to move the needle internally is your ability to find that, vocalize that, champion that, appreciate and center that, and then also really ask leadership, you know, what are the stories that they own that they are not telling? You know, what are the ways in which, what are the ways in which bringing this curriculum and this film to your district, um, what are the ways in which it can provide an impact that isn't currently seen, you know? And also, I feel like there needs to be a sense of urgency as well. You know, how are we, how are we looking at the environment in which our young black boys are growing up in right now? You know, what it is that they're seeing on TV, what it is that they're hearing from their parents on the news, and how is it that we're creating a safe environment for them to still grow and thrive and be able to have their genius cultivated and appreciated. And I feel like being able to share those personal stories, that's what's going to resonate. And I feel like that'll, that'll be much more impactful than anything that I could ever tell you because you own that. And I feel like that's also the people that you're in the room with, they're going to see that, they're going to feel that. And I would imagine you're in that room for a reason. I tell you what, JT, uh, you're doing amazing work. Um, and I think that for the country, 
we need to have more listeners who are able to process what they are receiving and then share it in a way that you're sharing it. So I really appreciate you joining us, JT Royston, on What I Want to Know. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.